Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Trevor Baker is called The Abiding Presence of the Holy Spirit. Please visit our website where we have a host of upcoming events ready for you, starting with the healing meetings with John Miller from Australia on Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th of September. Registration is now open. The Abiding Presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, an open heaven allows us to come into that place of the abiding presence. And, um, and with that, listen to what it says here in John chapter 1. I was just so strucken with this as I've been preparing. And um, it says in John chapter 1, reading from verse 32, Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I have seen it and I testify that this is the Son of God. And so here, there is this sense of Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus. And it was like a dove. And as it came down, it says, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend. And so there is a coming down upon. I was just reading through John's Gospel. And this word descend is spoken um, 18 times in the book of John. It says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the bread that descended from heaven. And it goes on and on and on, talking about this descent of things from heaven. And um, in the book of Revelation, and I saw a new Jerusalem descending from heaven. And so there's this whole sense of something taking place that descends from heaven. In John 6.38 it says that um, Jesus is declaring the will of the Father. He says, I came down, I came down by the will of my Father. This isn't something I chose to do, it was the will of the Father. And so there's this sense of something coming down. I believe that God wants to come down upon you tonight in a whole new way. I really, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know tonight that he's going to come upon you and it's not going to come upon you and then lift off you. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. You know, we often say, don't we, about Moses, you know, to show me your glory like you revealed to Moses. And yet I want something greater than the glory that Moses had. Because the glory that Moses had was a diminishing glory. And he had to veil his face. In the new covenant and in the sense where now the Holy Spirit is given to clothe us, to remain upon us, is what happens is this. And now we all with unveiled faces are beholding through a glass darkly and are being changed from one degree of glory to another. So now the glory isn't about an external glory upon us. The glory is about an internal work of God's glory in our hearts and in our lives. So transforming us. 
Now that's why people say to you when you become Christians, and probably many of you have had this, what has happened to you? Have you ever had people say that? There's something different about you. That's the glory. So you need to say, next time somebody said there's something different about you, say, that's the glory. Or you could say like this, that's the glory. (laughs) And... um, You know, because there's something that goes on in us that so transforms us. And, uh, you know, this passage in John 32, the spirit descended on him like a dove. And uh, you see, what you need to do, you go right the way back to Genesis. And it says there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And listen, that is the end of the statement. Because if you know anything about the way Hebrews, the Hebrew Bible um, is written, is they say everything in the shortest possible way. And then what happens, they open it up and they enfold the story. And so here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, that was saying that there is one God who is the God of creation. There's not other gods, that it's one God who has made creation. And then it goes on to say, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God began to hover over the face of the waters. Can you see? Now, in order to understand that, you go to Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18. And this is what I said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything is in the right order. Heaven and earth. So there is heaven and earth responds or reflects heaven that's how it was meant to be if you look at Isaiah 45 verse 18 it says there when God created the heavens and the earth he created it to be inhabited he did not create it vain or void and empty and so here when God created the heavens and the earth It was created in perfect harmony and order. But there seems to be that something then happened. And you look in to Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel 28. And in that you see the battle that was raged in heaven. And how Lucifer was thrown down to the earth. Who brought darkness because he moved out from the place of light. And he brought chaos because now he was no longer created to um, God who was creator. So everything that he sought to do at that point was to kill, steal and to destroy. Listen, Satan is not creative. His only ability is to take what God has created and to change that by stealing, by killing and by destroying Can you see? And so here, right back then, it was that the Spirit of God began to hover. It came down. And just like it said of remain. Have you ever seen, I mean, at this time of year, you see lots of hawks 
out, you know, whether they're buzzards or whether they're sparrowhawks. You see them along if you're driving down to um, London. Is what happens down there. You driving down, you go down by High Wycombe, and you see a whole lot of kites, eagles. You've seen them, and and you see them hovering. And what is that? They begin to stay in one place. They're just on the thermal, and as they're on the thermal, you just see them remaining in one place. And so too, here, that word remaining is to be in one place. So God comes down, and he remains over that place. Over the place that is empty, and void, and dark. And what's happened, the face, did you... Pick up that word there. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. See, everything that God creates has a face to it. See, that's why every person here is different. Hallelujah. And that's because a face gives identity to something. So everything that God creates, it has its own identity to And so there isn't mixtures. Everything he creates is all in a sequence. If you look at the book of Genesis, the first chapter, you find there's three days where God is dividing things. You find the next three days God is developing what he's divided. So he divides light from darkness. And in the fourth day, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. See, what he does, what he divides, he then puts something in there in order to develop it. Because God never leaves that which he is bringing order to without developing. Isn't that true in our own lives? When we become Christians is what God does. He separates us and brings a division between sin and holiness. And so then what he does, he wants to make us holy as he is holy. So he then begins to work on that which he has divided and brought that dividing line. Because he takes us out from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and of the kingdom of his son. And so God does it all the way through. There's a way that he works. Hallelujah. And so here, this abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, it, develop, it comes down upon him. And in James 1.17 it says, every good and perfect gift, and it's the same word, comes down, descends from God or from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither is there any shadow of turning. And so God wants to come down upon your life. It says in Matthew's gospel when it says, ask and you will seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And it says then, for which of you were to ask a father for a um Bread, would he give him a stone? Or would he ask him for um, a, what's the other one? Ask him for a egg? Would he give him a serpent? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? See, God wants you to walk so fully 
in the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's totally different. We talk about, you know, the anointing that Elijah had, Elisha had, the anointing that Joshua had, the anointing that David had. But we have something even more glorious because their anointing was for a specific purpose and office. And after that, it was given or could be given to someone else. With us, God gives the Holy Spirit and we never know. We will never know what David cried out in Psalm 51 where he says, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Do you understand? Because God wants to put his Holy Spirit upon our lives. Yes, we can get it all wrong. We can fail. But listen, God never lifts it off us. Hallelujah. And so for us, we can move into that place of abiding presence. You see, when something is chaotic and formless and faceless, it means that it's dark. It has no identity. It's unrecognizable. It is useless for what it was created for. So what had been created in Genesis now lies in ruins. Now flip over to the New Testament. And what do you find? Jesus goes to a wedding and the wine vats are empty. Can you see? They have no wine. What's that to do with me? My time has not yet come. And it says, this was the first miracle that Jesus did, whereby he revealed his glory. You see, there was a glory that came down in creation. Hallelujah. There was a realm of the Holy Spirit that came down in the garden. And as it came down, God would walk in the cool of the day. And he would have fellowship with Adam. There was this glory that was there that Adam um, flowed in. It says that God breathed into him and he became a living being. There was something that happened and as it came in, he was in a place of fullness. He was in, in the garden. Adam was abiding under That presence of God as the Lord was there. And so this whole thing. Now listen, you know, we read it in the New, in the Old Testament and we think that what happened was Adam was in the garden and one day afterwards, you know, after the seventh day, on the eighth day, that's when everything went wrong. You know, Adam could have been in the garden for eons. We do not know. But there came a point that Satan came who had been cast out and Satan comes and he is looking for an opportunity. Do you ever see that word again in the New Testament? It says of Jesus and the temptations and it says, and Satan left him until an opportune time. And then when Satan entered into the life of um, Judas... It says, and an opportunity came when Satan entered into Judas. See, there's an opportunity. There are moments that determine our destiny. And you see, in with Adam, he was walking under this incredible anointing. And there was a glory in the garden. You heard me 
um, say last week at the conference here, um, I talked there about a glory that was in the garden. And in that glory in the garden, there were no time limits. See, God says, let us make man in our image. See, I believe God wants to move us back into that place. He wants to reveal the face that he's placed upon you, your true identity. He wants to take you from the place of being useless and he wants you to become useful. That's Read the book of Philemon. It's all about that. It's all about a person who was useless becoming useful. Hallelujah. It's all about us coming out of the places that are dark and into the glorious kingdom of light. That's why God releases this abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It is awesome. And when we have that upon us, listen, he takes us right the way back until we get to that unlimited purposes of God. Where we're no longer in a place of limitation. Where it is that the time limits are removed from us. And we're operating in a glory. So in the glory, there is a healing process that can take place. But in the glory, miracles manifest and they are instantaneous. Why? Because we move into this place of the abiding presence. And in that place of abiding presence, things have no time limit upon them. Because as it is in heaven, so now it can be on the earth. Hallelujah. So we move in this realm of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit has come upon us and remains on us. So it isn't a going in and stepping out. You know, even some of my friends said, Oh, I'm in the Spirit. No, I'm, I'm out of the Spirit. Well, it's not like that. We are in the Spirit because He has endued us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be in you, He says. Not in you and then out of you. So that we're like schizophrenic Christians. Oh, I'm in the Spirit. No, I'm not. I'm out of the Spirit. You know? We get to a place where we, have, we begin to have such confidence in God. And as we grow in that confidence in God, because what I'm saying is we're growing in faith. And in that place, you see, time limits are, let us make man in our image. In the image of God made he them, male and female. Listen, in the order of God, there was no separation. There was no subservience of male and female. When God created man and woman, they were created together. Hallelujah. And you see what happened, it was after the fall. Well, let me get to that in a moment. But it says, let us create man in our image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And he said to them. And he blessed them. Right? Not Adam. Not Eve, he blessed them equally. And he says, be fruitful and increase and multiply. See what he starts off with? Fruitful. Then he says, out of that place of fruitfulness, that's what he does for us. He wants us to increase. And with our increase, he will multiply. He says, and then rule over. And 
subdue. So that's the blessing of God. And he gives it to the male and female. There isn't headship. It isn't about the woman becoming subservient to the man. Until you get to the place. See, in that, in the glory, there were no seasons. Seasons came in in Genesis chapter 8. What happened in Genesis chapter 8 or 7? It was the flood. What was the flood? God saw that every inclination of a man's heart was evil. And he repented that he'd made man. But Noah found favor with God. Not that Noah did things and he made himself favorable. Noah found favor with God. God looked upon Noah with favor. Do you understand? See, just like he looked looks upon us it's not about favor it's about what God God's look upon us not what we've done we grow in favor as we walk in obedience Jesus grew in favor with God and with man and so here what happens then is this so he's in that place where the favor of God is upon him and then after the flood God says to him In Genesis chapter 8, I'm going to put a bow in the sky and never again will I flood the earth. Up until then, the earth was flooded, the earth was watered by a mist that used to descend. There it is again, used to descend. See, a mist that would descend. And that would be enough to do all that it needed to do in order for fruitfulness. See, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He has enough to do all that he needs to do in order for you and me to increase and multiply and be fruitful and to rule and to subdue. And so in that place then is what happens is he says, I will never flood the earth again. And as long as man remains, seed time and harvest. First time it's ever meant. Mentioned. That is nearly 700 years after Adam's fall. Now it comes in. Now seed time and harvest, summer and winter. So now all the seasons come in. So now there is seasons, times, harvest. But in the glory, there aren't seasons. In the glory, there is fruitfulness. There is increase. There is multiplying. And it is not through the natural seasons. So then, he says they have no wine. And what Jesus does, he goes right the way back to fruitful, increase, multiply. So now, nearly 400 gallons of wine I hope there was a lot of people to drink it because let me tell you it wasn't the unfermented stuff do you understand this was wine and I hope there was a lot of people and so what happens is in a moment you see fill the jars with water and go And give it to the 
um, husband of the bride. When they did it, see obedience? See, it released the glory. See, that's what he, Jesus didn't do it on his own. See, Jesus was operating with the Holy Spirit on his life. Holy Spirit will come upon and remain upon him. So now in that, he is in that realm of glory. He has brought us all the way back to how life was when Adam was in the glory in the garden. Now Jesus was in the glory on the earth. And so now he was beginning to do things like it was right back then. And so here... He comes then and the water turns to wine. He says, and this is the first miracle where Jesus revealed his glory. But what happens when there's 5,000 people? See, it's not empty jars, it's empty stomachs. And so what does he do? Because the earth was empty and void. And the Spirit of God begins to hover. Now we have a person where it's not just a hovering presence. We have a person who is carrying that anointing. And so wherever he goes, the glory can break out. See, that's the same with me and you. And so it isn't, it isn't timelines. It isn't, it isn't in the old ways of you know, being in that place where in the, the time limits and the natural cycles, now it's immediate, simultaneous multiplication can take place. Go and give them something to eat. Why does it say? It says then, Jesus already knew what he would do. See, that's operating in the glory. How did he know what he should do? Because he only did what he saw the Father doing. So now in the glory is what happens is we move to a place in that glory where heaven is open to us and we see the things that the Father is longing to do. And so is all we have to do then is to step into that place of what the Father is doing and the glory manifests. So everything then that the Father wants to do can actually take place. And so here, there are times when miracles can happen. There are times when healing takes place. It says, as they went, they were healed. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't just the natural processes, but there was something that was accelerated. See, the healing in the glory is accelerated. And sometimes that's just the way that God does it. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to have a miracle. But there's going to be a time when you come forward for healing prayer. Is what happens is something is speeded up. Can you see? Something begins to accelerate. Why? Because there are no cycles of springtime and harvest. There are no of the natural cycles. We break out of the natural and we move into the spiritual. Hallelujah. And so now, you see, God is turning all these things around. But listen, until Christ comes again and we move fully into that, God has promised that springtime, uh, seed time and harvest will be there. But you see, again, you look in Amos, in Amos chapter 9 verse 13, and again, you have a glimpse because it's talking about, it's talking about, 
the second coming. Or it's talking about when, not so much the second coming, but it's talking about when Israel comes into its fullness. And in that fullness, the kingdom has come. So all her enemies are moved out of the way. And there is complete peace again on the earth. That's what Israel was looking for. And it says there, the plowman, Amos 9.13, will overtake the reaper. Can you see? Have you ever seen a plowman overtaking the reaper? You see, what happens is, it's like there, there is sowing and harvest, sowing and harvest, sowing and harvest. And so what happens before the, the, the reapers can finish, the plowman's already there. Because there is this escalation of harvest time. And so you can't catch up. You know, as soon as the harvest, the plowman's already there, you think, well, hold on a moment. You know, let me get all the harvest in. And God says, no, what you're doing is you've moved into a new realm. And in that new realm, we're not in the old cycles. See, that's what it's saying. That's what will happen. And it says, it goes on to say, you know, a man who lives to a hundred will be looked upon as... Not being blessed. You know? Because it's like there's an acceleration of everything that takes place. And I'm not talking about, you know, my my father, he's 91 and he's struggling at the moment. But it's not going to be like that. And I tell him, Dad, it's not going to be always like this. You know, there will be a time. There will be a time, I believe, when God's going to break in all those natural processes will be broken off us. Hallelujah. And there will be an end time people, which the world will look and stand on tiptoe and say, look, here they come. Here they come. You know, the, the youngest one, the youngest one looks like he's, well, he looks like he's 14, but he's over 100. Huh? Listen, these are made up stories. This is what the Bible says. And so here, These miracles can begin to happen. Why? Because there is a breaking in of the kingdom. You will have to clean out the old and make room for the new. Because you will have such an abundance. Again, that's a picture of restored order. That's a picture of restored glory. You will still be eating the old And have to make room for the new. That is having more than enough. See that's what happens when the glory comes. There is more than enough for all that we need. See I believe the church is going to be in a place. And we've already taken up the offering. So it's not about offering. But I do believe the church is going to be in a place. When the church has more than she ever needs. And she will be looking for ways. Just like at the moment, you have business people. You have, who's the guy who created Apple? Bill, Steve Jobs. And you have the Apple and PC, the guy with the PC, Ryan? Bill Gates. They go to bed at night. And even if they spent like crazy, they would still be richer in the morning. Do you understand? And they've done nothing. You see, there will come a time when I believe the church will be like that. This church, this church that we're part of, will be a radiant bride that the world is looking at and saying, have you seen what they're doing now? 
They're turning water into wine. Have you seen what they're doing now? They're feeding the poor. And not only that, they're feeding the poor. And it's not truckloads of food that they're taking in. It's one meal feeding 5,000 people. Because they're operating in the glory. They've moved into a different realm. They're giving 20 pounds somewhere and it ends up being 20 million pounds. Do you understand? Of what it can do. I'm not talking about just start to, it just, you start doing something and it just begins to increase. See, you clean out the old to make room for the new, but you're still eating it. And you think, God, you know, I don't know what to do. I've got this coming in. I've still got this and I'm filling my face with all the goods that are there. Huh? I mean, I can remember when I was at school. And the biggest meal that you could get, we used to give them names. There was a pin top. They were for the people who suffered with um, looking thin. They called it, they called it a pin top meal. I mean, I don't know why anybody ever paid a shilling for a pin top meal. I mean, if I'm paying a shilling, I mean, I'm wanting, you know, the whole lot. And so there was a pin top. Then there was a small. Small was no good to you. Wouldn't fill you up if you were running around playground then there was a medium medium are like those people that they don't know whether they want it big or they don't want it small they're just in between you know and then there's the big where we're getting bigger then there was the after the big we had this one the double treble and then you're starting to move into a new realm then there was the double treble gigantic monster and you go up and you say, yes, what would you want? And I'd say, a double treble gigantic monster. <laughs> and they'd say to me, do you think you can eat all that? Load it up. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, after I ate all this, I was still hungry. So I thought, what should I do? So the next day when I went up, and it was a double treble gigantic monster, Mount Everest. Can you see? I never got beyond that. That used to fill me. You know? And, um, but it's like that. You see, there's always, we, we move in a place where, you know, we have to find new language because of the superabundance that God is pouring out. See, God is going to have a people on the earth like that. And it's all we have to do is we have to desire spiritual Gifts. It's no good standing in the line and saying a pin top, please. Because I think God's at the place where he says, I don't know what you mean. Now, what do you mean? Well, a small. No, that's not the measurement of heaven. Listen to that guy next to you. A double treble, gigantic monster, Mount Everest. Now, now that's somebody who's moving in the unlimited possibilities of what God can do. Do you understand? Listen, that's how we need to be. We need to start desiring spiritual gifts. Remember I said to you about Smith Wigglesworth? Said to his daughter, you can have any watch in the shop. And she goes and she chooses, because she thought he was very frugal. She chose the cheapest watch in the shop. He gets outside and he said, Alice, I'm disappointed in you today. I gave you the opportunity to pick the best and you pick the cheapest. And he said to her, when God offers you a gift, 
Never take the cheapest. Always take the best. See? And the blessing was, you know, that he soar off to Africa and he said, Alice, I've got a gift for you. Because God will always find a way to be gracious to us and to favor us. And even in our, even in our mistakes, see, she just made a mistake. And she felt like she got rebuked for it. Sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Do you ever found, ever sense a time when God's just done something? You just feel just a little bit where his favor's just rebuking you. Telling you to, you know, stand up like a person. And you think, oh God, you know, did I really get it wrong? Yes, you did. I'm sorry, Lord. Okay. Now the next time. And so here she goes down. She's selling out from Southampton. And what happens? Smith Wigglesworth goes down to Sierra. And just as they were parting, he takes out the most expensive watch that he could afford. And he gave it to Alice. And he said, Alice, this is your gift. It's the best that I could get you. See, that's our God. See, he wants to give you the best. He wants to, he wants to move you back into the glory. You know, there's a, there's a song, you can tell how old I'm with this song, and it's by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And, and they talk about um, wanting to get back to the garden. It's time to get back to the garden. See, there's a cry in the hearts of people that they know that this isn't it. And there's a cry to get back into that place of glory. There's a cry to get back into the place where, you know, the time limits are taken off us. Where the natural cycles are taken off us. And we're moving in a place where God manifests his glory through miracles, signs and wonders. See, I believe that God wants to come and put an anointing upon our lives. And I believe tonight when God puts an anointing upon your lives, it's not just for you to have have a miracle of healing it's for you to come under that anointing so that you can be the miracle for someone else and in being the miracle for someone else God gives you your miracle hallelujah and God opens up and you begin to live in the unlimited possibilities that was Catherine Coleman's phrase the unlimited possibilities of God Hallelujah. See, that is operating in that place of the glory. See, miracles are no accidents. They're not works of fate. You know, it's not that this person gets it, that person doesn't. They're not uncontrollable actions because Jesus could control it. Through his obedience to the Father, I only do what I see the Father doing. And with that, a man gets his eyes. Somebody who's deaf begins to hear. A deaf mute gets their tongue loosed and they can hear. A dead man, I mean that's the one isn't it? You know, a dead man, do something that you couldn't do before, you know. And it begins to move. You know, those types of things, why? Because there is a manifesting of glory. And what happens, everything is turned around and now we move into that realm of the Spirit. That's all the glory is. 
moving in the realms of the spirit. They're not uncontrollable actions. It means that, you know, what can happen is, excuse me, as we walk in obedience, God gives us the Holy Spirit so things can break in. And listen, we can say, but Trevor, why doesn't it break in when we do? I don't know. If I did, we would so bottle it up and package it, wouldn't we? So that then we could have our bottles of miracle glory. And then what do you do with it? Start selling it? We've already moved into a, back into the natural realm. See, because Jesus never bottled it. He never stored it up. He never made a claim upon it. He never put a price tag upon it. It's all he said to them, go wash in the pool and you'll come out seeing. Go wash in the pool and you'll come out and your leprosy was gone. That's all they had to do. You see, obedience released the glory. They weren't uncontrollable. See, and I believe that we're here to tell people how they can step into that place of the glory. We're here where we're no longer in the place of seed time and harvest. It's no longer by the sweat of our brow that we go to sleep at night. And what happens? We wake up in the morning and we got far more than what we went to bed with last night. That's what's happening to some people. Listen, I believe that they are a sign to us, the church. That we just need to start lifting our eyes up higher. Seeing what God wants us to do. And as we do that, I believe the glory begins to manifest in incredible, incredible ways. Don't you want that? And so here, so here, as I've been saying and just going over this myself. You see, we have to realize that miracles and God's love are two different things. See, I want you to know that you are unconditionally loved and accepted by God. At this moment in time, through all eternity, you will never be loved anymore by God. Did you know that? Isn't that awesome? See, God's love to you and me is so unconditional. And not only that, His love, you will never initiate His love. You cannot do anything that would attract him to love you anymore. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Scarcely would anyone die for a righteous man. Yet Christ died for us when we were enemies. We could not initiate God's love. And out of that, you see, we need to understand that his love is so unconditional It is so uninitiated. God initiated everything for you and me. Aren't you you standing in amazement of his love? You know, when I wake up, somebody said to me, you seem to be always smiling. I said, yeah. I said, it's when I wake up and when I think about these things and I think about just how much God loves me. How he set his mark of ownership on me. So undeserving and yet, in another sense, so deserving because of what Jesus did. You understand? I can't do anything more to get him to love me more. And yet we start coming to miracles and miracles are faith initiated. You see, you have to walk in faith. See, Jesus had faith that when he said to the man, get him, pick up your mat. Can you see? 
faith was operating. When he said to Lazarus, come out. Lazarus was going to come out. See, that's what happened. It was initiated by his faith in his father, revealing to him what he wanted him to do, and he just stepped into that place. And as he did, he knew the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said this, I'm going away, and it's expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the the comforter won't come. And it says that, and when he's come, he will be with you because he's going to be in you. And he will take of the things that are about me, take of the things of me, and he is going to reveal them to you. So, do you think that Jesus has a heart for the sick to be healed? So he's going to take the things that are me and he's going to reveal them to you. And he will guide you into all truth. See, because truth sets people free. See, this isn't wishful thinking. This isn't, you know, how can we press the right buttons and have the right... This is just walking with a new sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. As we go out into the town on Saturday... And our street evangelism. Listen, it's all we're looking to do is to see what Jesus is longing to do for people and then just go and try and do it. And I say, try and do it. So, dream interpretations, prophetic words, people get healed. And we have lots of... Listen, I've got a letter upstairs from a man from King Swinford who was, got prayer twice at the, um, the town centre and has just sensed a new presence of Jesus coming into it. He hasn't been going to church. He's now come here for the last two weeks. See, you don't even know him. But he's come here for the last two weeks. And he's phoned us up this week and he said, Is there anybody who lives in King Swinford who could give, us, give me a lift to church? Because I've come to your church and I just love being amongst those people at Revival Fires. Can you see? That's from the street. That's because people prayed for him for healing. Can you see? That's what we're wanting to see. We want him to see that, not sowing and reaping. We're wanting to see that go from fruitfulness, increase, multiplication. See, because we move into the glory. It can happen. We have never known a time. We baptized people last week. We're baptizing people this week. That's never happened here. See, there is increase. And who knows? That's why we're arranging things here so we don't have to have this all the time. That's okay. But we're just going to have a baptistry. I would love it to be always filled. And it's not just on a Sunday. It's what happens is we bring people in and say, hey, we need to baptize people. Because what hinders me being baptized? There's enough water here. He didn't go through all of... You know, the catechism teaching. Listen, there's nothing wrong with all of that, but sometimes we just need to do it because Jesus told us to do it. And so for us, let me finish this now. And so here, you see, in terms of, in terms of miracles, see, I believe they're conditional. They're conditional to us walking in faith, 
according to the promises of God. That's the condition. See? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who heals all our diseases. Who forgives all our iniquities. Can you see? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so here, you see, it's conditional. It's conditional to us having faith in the promise that what God says he will do, he will do. And we then would begin to grow in faith. We would go from no faith to little faith. Listen, little faith is okay. It will fill you up a little bit, just like the pin top. It will fill you up a little bit, but it won't be enough. But then you go from great faith, go from little faith to um, great faith. And then you go from great faith to full of faith. Stephen was a man and Philip. See, this is what happens when you're full of faith. You get translated in the spirit realm. So you don't need transport. That's what happens. You step into a realm of glory where there's no time limits There's no spatial limits and there's no natural limits. Can you see? That's just what happens. And so Peter, he is at Desotus and then he's found somewhere else. He's in um, Samaria, then having a citywide revival. He's a deacon. He learned learned how to walk in fullness of faith. Do you know how? Serving on tables. A little bit like Elisha washed Elijah's hands. That's all he did. They chose out six people full of faith and full of the ho- full of faith, full of the spirit and full of um, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. And um, and with that, he gets transported in the realm of the spirit. Stephen, he gets an open heaven experience where he's the only person who ever saw Jesus stand up from his throne to receive him. I don't know whether, it does, whether others have seen that, but I know that Philip, uh, Stephen did. And he got an open heaven. See, that's what happens. Also, when you're full of faith, you get to preach long messages. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm closing now. <laughs> but he preached the longest message in Scripture. Did you know that? And um, See, I, I believe that God wants to come and release an abiding presence of the Holy Spirit on you and me tonight. So that we can step back into the glory. Where I believe miracles can happen. And it isn't. Listen, it isn't for a few people who get to speak at the front. See, we're living in a day now where the gifts of Christ to the church is all about equipping people for the work of ministry. It isn't about, look at us, haven't we got a great anointing upon our lives? Aren't we special? See, it's all about equipping. And with the equipping, you see, there comes a place where we say, this isn't about what I'm doing. And it's like John the Baptist, isn't it? Which he teaches us a lot. And he says about Jesus, he said, look, I'm here to prepare, I'm here to equip you. I'm here to equip you to walk in a way so that you will be prepared for the coming of Christ. 
And I believe that's a mark of an apostolic, not just a prophetic figure, an apostolic figure. Because he then says, I must, he must increase, I must decrease. They said, who are you? He said, are you a prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you Elias? No. Then who on earth are you? And he says, well, I'm a voice. What? Yeah, I'm a voice. And I'm crying out in the wilderness to a people to make ready and prepare a way for the Lord. Because he's coming. And then he says, here he is. The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. Here it is. See, I believe that that is going to be a growing mark of the fivefold ministry of Christ to the church. And we will move from here. See, I want to inspire you to step into that place where you have somebody in front of you say, God, what I need right now is a double, treble, gigantic monster, Mount Everest. That's what I need. I need something more than what I've got so that as I reach out to this person in front of me, your Holy Spirit is going to touch their lives and the glory is going to manifest on them in every single way. Amen? So why don't you stand? I want to pray for you. Oh. Ha. I just love. Let me read it to you one more time. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water. See, I only get to do what I see the Father doing. That's John the Baptist too. But the one who told me to go and baptize with water, obedience. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain upon, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He says, and I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. What was John saying? He was saying this. When I saw it, a miracle happened. A miracle took place and we were back in the realm of the glory that Adam lost, but now Christ received and redeemed everything that he lost. And not only that, but he gives us more. Lift up your hands right now. Oh, yeah. Go on, just thank him. Thank him tonight that he's going to endue you with a fresh measure of the Holy Spirit. He wants you full of faith. He wants you full of the Holy Spirit. And when I say full, it's not just up to the brim. Full, in biblical terms, is when you're full and overflowing. That's fullness in a biblical sense. Full in a natural sense is when we come to the top. In a spiritual sense is when we have far more than we can contain and it has to flow out so that other people come into the overflow. Father, release the overflow tonight in the name of Jesus.